Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike, episode 32 of this new program here on KSL News Radio. I'm grateful to you for tuning in. Grateful to you for giving me a shot here. It's a, it's an honor to be joining you wherever you are. Maybe you're in your car, at your workplace, maybe you're at home, whatever it is. Uh, I'm grateful to you. And I would ask you to weigh in on today's program, on uh, any program. The number uh, to text in is 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. We also have a Facebook page. I put up some stuff uh, about today's program uh, dealing with a fascinating question we're going to dive into later on in the program. Uh, it's going to be a fun chat. Uh, it's going to be sarcastic. We're going to tell some jokes. Uh, and I'm going to be chatting with a, uh, a columnist from USA Today, a guy named Andy Nesbitt. He, uh, not too long ago, put up this uh, video where he makes the case for moving the Super Bowl from Sunday to Saturday. He's got some rationale behind that. Uh, he's a, a funny character. So he's going to join me later on in the program, about an hour and a half from now. But right now, in studio, I am joined uh, by a fascinating individual, uh, Rick Larson, president of the Sutherland Institute. Uh, he and I, in the commercial break, we're talking about some of his uh, background in, in Hollywood and entertainment and in media. Uh, fascinating individual. He has now turned his sights uh, on the, the good work being done up at the Sutherland Institute. You most recently likely heard of the Sutherland Institute on these airwaves as uh, his institution, uh, institute rather, put together uh, an ad campaign uh, advocating on behalf of the tax reform package, which was passed by the Utah State Legislature in special session uh, towards the end of December last year, 2019, and just yesterday, uh, upon signature by the governor, was repealed. That was after a referendum effort, uh, a lot. We've covered it all here on this program. And so uh, we're going to talk about a number of things today, uh, President Larson, but I'd like to start just by getting your reaction to the events as they've transpired here regarding uh, tax reform. Be happy to. Well, first, congratulations on your show, Lee. Thank you, sir. Welcome to the Utah landscape. You're Thank doing you very a great much. Job, and we're we're thrilled that you're here. It's kind of you. Uh, the landscape you refer to is uh, is a rocky one. We uh, we approached it. We became involved because we'd been involved with the issue of tax reform as a concept for years. We saw some strength. We saw some potential in this bill. Our intention wasn't so much to advocate for. This bill, although it was widely perceived that that was the intent, sure. we advocate for information, for education. We actually stepped into that a little tentatively because we were being asked so many questions. People did not understand. Some people heard tax hikes, some heard tax cut. And when you get that extreme, well, we thought it might be worthwhile to do a campaign that talks about what you get, what you don't get if you pass this particular bill. Now, since... 
um, a lot of interesting things have happened. A lot of interesting things. Let me just say, as, as a news guy, it's been great fodder. Uh, <laughs> we've, had, we've had a lot of interesting coverage, spoken to a lot of interesting folks, learned a lot about the referendum process. Absolutely. And in fact, so I actually drew a little fire because I praised the folks who mobilized so quickly. Not that we, the referendum process has certain issues. Sometimes that popular sentiment can create a demand that doesn't have full budget vetting, doesn't, you know, a lot of details that the legislature covers that an initiative does not. But we were amazed at the mobilization of people and the passion. So for that, we offered some praise. We also think that with the passage and now the elimination of that bill, we're starting over. There's a significant now what moment, and we're very interested, so much so, that one of our priorities for the rest of this year is analyzing tax reform conceptually in Utah, historical, what works, what doesn't. We're gonna, we want to become a resource to the legislature and the public of what works when it comes to tax reform. How will you uh, execute those efforts? What What is next for the Institute in terms of its involvement in this issue? Well, we've already started talking to We have a dedicated policy expert who's going to focus on just this sure. for the entire year. We've begun by meeting with people. Uh, I'll give you an example. We went with a former legislator yesterday. Yeah. Come to find out, back in 2006, there was a significant effort and reams of data that were not consulted in this process. Well, we want to know why. We want to know what that data said. Is there something to be learned from that? Um, one of the issues with a part-time legislature is they are committed people. In our experience, they're almost always trying to do the right thing. So you won't hear me criticize the legislature because they give so much of their time. Sure. But they're also lacking as a part-time body with some of the ability to do research, the budgets, the staffs. Um, so they do the very best they can with the information they have. And we're determined to provide more information this time around. I uh, th- w- what you just said makes me want to uh, ask you a question, but that would lead to I think a whole hour of discussion, and it is the merits of a, a part-time versus a full-time legislature. We'll save that conversation for another day. The reason, uh, in addition to getting your reaction on the, to this tax reform uh, saga as it's played out, is also I uh, this conversation came about. I sent a text message uh, over to a former colleague of mine, uh, Kelsey Witt. I said, "Hey, Kelsey, uh, what do you guys?" Got going on over there. And she said, well, as a matter of fact, we're about to roll out our priorities for this year. And I thought, well, let's get them here first if we can. So you, as an institute, have a number of priorities in addition to this tax uh, issue, which you'll be focusing on heavily this legislative session. There are other things uh, you're going to keep your eyes on. Share with us those, please. So we have four priorities this year. And, and to be honest, some may appear in this legislative session. Some are much longer term. But we're committed in the long haul because... As a think tank, you're always stepping back and saying, with our resources, with our expertise, what is it we can do best? Instead of spreading so thin, what can we focus on and do best? So the things we'll be focusing on, one that will probably have very little to do with the session, um, is religious liberty. Uh, Representative Stewart came out with the Fairness for All Act. That has tremendous implications constitutionally, socially, from a religious standpoint. We are going to dedicate a scholar with the background to do this to assessing that bill point by point and communicating with the public. So you you will hear a lot of incremental information about that act. What does it mean? Um, Are we already there? How do both communities, how are they treated fairly? We think the decline of religious liberty in this country is a significant foundational issue that influences dialogue on all kinds of other topics. So sometimes we look at a topic we're arguing about. Why are we arguing? Because foundationally, sure. we've changed our, our ethos. We've changed our perspective, our view of each other. So we're going to step back and take a deep look at religious liberty. We're also going to look at civics education. 
Um, and if I start rambling on this, stop me because we're passionate <laughs> about this. All right, go ahead. We'll give, we'll give you we'll give you thirty forty five <laughs> seconds. Give me a signal. Go give for me, it. Give me a signal. Um, people, I am asked every single sure. day by somebody saying, "My adult children are thinking of voting for a socialist for president." How did that happen? Well, it didn't just happen. There has been a decline and a revision of history and civics in this nation for several years now. We now have a younger generation coming up who are our future leaders. They are not evil, and they are not lacking in intelligence. They're lacking in the basics of the principles of the form of government that we're blessed to live under. We think that needs to be restored. It's a long-term battle. The erosion happened gradually. The restoration will happen gradually as well. But we think these young minds need to understand there's the sacrifices associated with the founding of this nation, the imperfections of the founders, but the vision they had, what they were willing to sacrifice, risk, and overcome. So we'll really be focusing on civics and history education, and it's probably two or three year project, but it's very important foundationally. I've for so long been making the same observations among my own age cohort. I'm about 33 years old, and uh, if I looked uh, out across the, the landscape of my friends, uh, they are uh, of the mind you described. The mind that, if, you know, if I had my way, I'd be telling them, hey, uh, there was this guy, Reagan, had some thoughts, and if you look back, he had uh, some friends way back put together a document. We call it the Constitution. Uh, they had some ways of thinking I'd like you to be familiar with. Uh, anyway, I think a lot of that is lost. I agree with uh, uh, your motivation to to get on board with that. Now, let me ask you a question I should have asked um, a- as we kick this conversation off. Uh, you-, you made reference to yourself as a-, a think tank. What is a think tank? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because I found a definition. When I joined Sutherland, I myself was trying to come up with an answer. The Economist several years ago published what I think is the best description of a think tank I've ever seen. The think tank sits right in the middle of... The news, which is a quick, rough draft of history, and academic institutions who research things for years and create product no one can understand, and it sits on a shelf. Think tanks sit in the middle to bring that data and research to current events and try to create thought leadership and alternatives and policy options that make sense to people based on those two perspectives. Outstanding. Uh, speaking to President Rick Larson of the Southern Institute, do we, we get to all your priorities? We did. Uh, there's one more health care and specifically prescription drug pricing. Outstanding. Well, we'll stay in touch with you as this legislative session continues and I'm certain well beyond. Uh, these are noble efforts you're undertaking. I'm grateful to you uh, both for addressing them and joining me here on today's program. Next up, uh, we're going to turn uh, to a dramatically different topic. It's a story I saw uh, written by Pat Reavy of the Deseret News. You can find it on our website, KSL.com. It's about a Provo man who is uh, suspected of some child abuse. I'm going to tell you why in the next segment he deserves uh, not only punishment, but also praise. That's next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.